Welcome to The Legal Lowdown. I'm Diana Baudet. Today we'll be talking about COVID-19 and legal considerations for Rhode Island employers with Barton Gilman attorney Kristen Whittle. Kristen, thank you for joining me today, and I should say joining me from home. Thank you, Diana. So, Kristen, this has been a tough time for employers in Rhode Island. Everybody is kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Things are changing so quickly, um, often daily, sometimes midday. What advice do you have, and I'm sure it's plentiful, for employers as they start to figure out their plans and possibly making plans for a lot longer term than they ever anticipated? How would you like to start? That's right, Diana. These are absolutely unprecedented times, and I think employers across the state, country, and really across the world are trying their best to keep up with the changing atmosphere and maintaining a necessary level of flexibility to deal with the daily changes. My recommendation, as I've shared with folks, is remember what policies employers have in place already, some of which do contemplate situations where folks would be out sick or need to be out to care for family members. So starting there with what's already in place is a good, good starting point. At the same time, we're seeing new laws and guidance from state and federal authorities that are designed to help employers. So my suggestion is to try as best you can to keep on top of those changing laws, regulations, and guidance. We're here to assist with that, of course, but to maintain that level of flexibility needed when using the plans and procedures that are already in place as a jumping off point. Okay. So it's not necessary that everyone's going to kind of reinvent the wheel in terms of dealing with this. That's right, Diana. So many employers do have policies or practices in place, even if they're not formalized in a written format, as to what to do if an employee needs to call out sick or how to handle a situation if someone needs to call out to care for a family member for some other reason. Um, And Rhode Island law is pretty well set up for that as well. Um, Rhode Island has already passed a paid sick leave reform, um, which came into full effect in January of this year. It's been rolling out gradually for the last few years. Um, We do have state family leave available, as well as uh, temporary caregiver insurance. Rhode Island was one of the first states to enact that type of job-protected leave where folks can take paid leave funded by the state um, to care for a family member in situations um, that may apply here as well. Okay. And does that apply uniformly across all employees, or do those uh, considerations have a different impact for different employee status? Good question. Um, So different different laws do have... um, different requirements for numbers of employees. For example, Rhode Island's paid sick leave law applies to employers with 18 or more employees need to allow employees to accrue up to five paid sick days per year, whereas employers with fewer than 18 employees need to provide five unpaid days of leave, um, which can be accrued throughout the course of the year. Temporary caregiver insurance applies to most employees in the state of Rhode Island, but not all employees of state agencies, for example. Um, There are some nuances to that as well. In addition, the Federal Family Medical Leave Act, 
as well as the State Parental and Family Medical Leave Act, typically apply to employers of 50 or more employees. Although we've seen um, a brand new piece of legislation signed um, by the president yesterday has made significant expansions to Family and Medical Leave Act that apply to many, many more employees than otherwise would have been covered before as a result of the coronavirus situation. Okay, that's great. And I should interject that that was signed on March 18th, 2020. Thank you. Yes. Um, So that new legislation applies primarily to private employers with fewer than 500 employees and certain public employers. Both provisions of the new legislation related to family and medical leave can exclude healthcare providers, but apply generally to all other employees, which amends the Family Medical Leave Act to add another reason for leave, which includes circumstances where an employee is not able to come to work because their child's school is closed or child care is otherwise unavailable because of this public health emergency. Okay, great. And is that something that will be revoked? Is it temporary? It is. Good question. So it's scheduled as of now to remain in place until the end of 2020. But as you mentioned, Diana, I think we're preparing for a situation where we could be in some sort of emergency status for even longer than that. So we'll see. I think that all of our government officials are trying their best to adapt here. And we've seen very quick action, for example, with this law that was passed very quickly. And it seems as though folks are doing their best to adapt to the changing circumstances. So as needed, we can be prepared for leaves in this law to respond to the changing circumstances, given the public health situation. Okay, great. And we'll make sure to add that act, the, the full act, onto our website. So if people are looking for it, they can visit our website. In our blog section, we have a number of COVID-19 alerts and updates, and uh, we will add it to the Rhode Island Employers Update. Terrific. Kristen, can you talk a little bit about um, flexible work arrangements? Because that has really been thrown into the spotlight as a result of this situation. Yeah, so a lot of employers we're seeing are offering the option of employees to work from home and are requiring, in fact, many employees to work from home where that's available and feasible based on someone's job requirement. Of course, there are a number of jobs that cannot be performed remotely, and unfortunately, um, we've started to see layoffs of folks who are not able to work remotely. But, you know, some employers did offer flexible work arrangements or remote work already. So we're seeing employers extend that to other employees who had not taken advantage of that opportunity or was not available to them before now. Employers in doing that, given what we're seeing, understand that this is a situation that everyone is dealing with, and especially with the closure of schools and daycare centers, employees are maybe strapped or having difficulty performing um, remotely given childcare considerations, but employers seem to be offering flexibility under the circumstances because there's really no other option. So what we're seeing from a lot of employers is basically expecting employees to work as best they can. That may involve working different hours than the employers were typically otherwise working had they been in the office, but um, for hourly employees, 
if employers can continue to keep track of employees' hours, even if those hours have shifted. For example, if an employee would otherwise work from nine to five in the office, but has made some some scheduling adjustments due to whatever family situation they may have, those eight hours could be performed at different times of the day or reduced depending on the circumstances. And employers just need to be careful to pay the employees for the time that they're actually working particularly with respect to hourly employees who also need to be paid overtime should their hours exceed 40 in a particular work week. Okay. Um, flexible work environment can also raise security concerns. Employers have asked about, you know, many employers give their employees access to confidential and proprietary information. And so employers need to be careful to make sure that the information that they're giving to their employees is secured electronically in a reasonable way so as to prevent um, data breaches or inadvertent disclosure of confidential information by employees when they're not physically in the office. Okay. And are there any, uh, do you have any guidance for employers in terms of, can they do any kind of monitoring of their employees' time? Is that allowed recommended, discouraged from a legal perspective? That typically is allowed, particularly where employees are using employer-owned equipment. So um, our recommendation for employers before monitoring employees is to give their employees notice that this is happening. So um, some employers do choose to monitor employees' email or their internet access where the employer owns the equipment, that can extend in the workplace to where employees are accessing the employer's internet. But here, if employees are working from home, that may not be um, as easy to monitor. But um, yes, there are ways that employers can check up on their employees up to including monitoring, but we would recommend that employers provide notice to their employees before taking that step. Okay, that's great. What about, can employers ask employees to notify them in terms of if there are any positive tests for COVID-19 for themselves or for their family members, or are employers not allowed to ask that kind of question? What are the rules around that? The rules here, um, like much of this situation, are relatively fluid. Employers, we would typically not recommend delving deeply into employees' health situations. But here, given the public health emergency, employers really need to know the danger that their other workers could be exposed to if someone were to come in and bring the virus into the workplace. So um, we recommend that employers do so in a careful and limited way, but do ask their employees to report immediately if the worker, him or herself, or a household member or family member has been exposed to the virus so that the employer can take action accordingly to protect everyone else in the workplace. Okay. And and you may have covered part of this with the the recently signed act, but then if somebody is diagnosed with COVID-19, that's an employee, what is then the follow-on responsibility of an employer? So if an employee is diagnosed with a positive or presumptive positive diagnosis, confirmed diagnosis for COVID-19, 
those leave laws would come into effect immediately. So the employee would provide the employer with notice that they've contracted this virus and they would be eligible for sick leave under Rhode Island law to the extent they've accrued it. In addition, this new federal legislation allows for sick leave to be funded by the employer for up to 80 hours, which would be available immediately with no accrual rate. While the employer would be funding this upfront, there would be a tax credit available for the employer so that they can recoup those costs that they've put out quickly and immediately to take care of that worker. To the extent that the employee needs more than 80 hours of leave, they may be eligible for family medical leave um, under state or federal law. Or in addition, in Rhode Island, employees can um, apply for temporary disability insurance through the Department of Labor and Training. In Rhode Island, the Department of Labor and Training, or DLT for short, has been very active in monitoring the situation. They've put out a fact sheet that we recommend folks take a look at, which provides information for both employees and employers about help that's available through DLT to deal with the situation. So for employers, we would suggest providing information to their employees that there is a resource available to them should they be diagnosed with a virus. And DLT is also monitoring the situation in terms of layoffs. As of March 18th, we understand that um, 18,000 Rhode Islanders have applied for unemployment insurance because of the COVID-19 situation. So unfortunately, we are seeing um, terminations and layoffs because of the situation. And DLT is waiving the ordinary seven-day waiting period for unemployment insurance claims because of the situation. Okay. They're They're also offering what's called work share which is an alternative to layoffs, where if an employer is considering layoffs as a business necessity, this is an alternative where an employer could reduce an employee's hours and have the reduction made up in part by unemployment. So it's kind of a hybrid situation that's become available in Rhode Island where employers can reduce what they're paying employees, reduce their hours, and have some of that compensation made up through the state unemployment program. Oh, that's great. Who would instigate that, the employee or the employer? So DLT is suggesting that employers reach out to them before they take one of these actions Okay. so that DLT can assist the employer in setting it up in a way that's going to work for the employer and for their employees. This does seem like a, a positive program under the circumstances where an employer may be able to avoid layoffs and still get employees paid even where the employer is seeing a dip in revenue because of closures and cancellations as mandated by the state. Yeah, and to retain good employees for uh, the future when things come back online. Absolutely. In terms of keeping up to date and current with the constantly changing news and the fear, I mean, there has been a little bit of misinformation out there. I know there was a an email that went out, I believe, by the Department of Health and Human Services that was actually a hacked email. Where do you recommend employers and employees, for that matter, go for trustworthy, up-to-date information? So in terms of resources in this situation, we would recommend starting with 
government resources such as cdc.gov. Um, the Rhode Island Department of Labor and Training, DLT, has been putting out a lot of information about COVID-19 and suggestive responses to that. Chambers of Commerce are also a good resource. Small Business Association has been putting out a lot of information about ways to help employers in these situations. Um, trusted news organizations, local and national. We do have a concern about the spread of misinformation. For example, I had heard about an employer inadvertently sharing misinformation about treatment for the virus itself, which gives us a lot of pause um, as attorneys who represent employers um, because that's not good for the employer. It's not good for the employees. Um, misinformation um, has been spreading rampantly, unfortunately, in this situation. So we would recommend that employers confirm that they've gotten information from a legitimate and trusted source before sharing it with their employees and with the public. Okay. Can you think of any other important steps for employers to make sure that they do as they are kind of handling all of this or approaching a business closure? Unfortunately, we have seen business closures. And I think it's an unfortunate reality of the situation where there have been so many closures of many things and we're seeing kind of incidental fallout from that unfortunately if an employer does need to close business we would recommend notifying employees as soon as possible so that they can make arrangements for themselves particularly with respect to folks who are going to be terminated or laid off um, as a result of the closure not just kind of temporarily working from home or otherwise um, we do recommend consulting with dlt before taking um, a step to lay off or terminate workers. They've made themselves available in the situation to help employers, help their employees in the situation. They've set up an email address for this, dlt.covid19 at dlt.ri.gov, and have made themselves available to assist. It's unfortunate, but we are seeing that happen um, under the circumstances, and I think you know, employers trust their judgment, do what they think is right under the circumstances, and hopefully things will turn around sooner rather than later. Thank you. That's great information. And then in terms of what shouldn't employers do, <laughs> you know, what what <laughs> cautionary things would you put out there for employers to um, be aware of, to avoid, to run afoul of any laws, certainly, and, you know, just at this time of panic, things that you can do to not further fuel that panic? Sure. Um, I've seen a lot of resources say, number one, don't don't panic. But it's hard not to under <laughs> the circumstances. Um, these are scary times. They're unprecedented, and folks are not really sure um, how to handle it, understandably. Most of our don't recommendations center on sensitive personnel health information. While we have recommended that employers require that their workers let them know if they've been diagnosed or exposed to the virus, we would not recommend or we would strongly suggest that employers work really hard to secure the sensitive information, sensitive medical information about their employees and family members who may have been affected by the virus. We typically would not recommend that employers undergo any health screenings at their own facilities unless they've been directed to 
by a federal, state, or local health official. And again, as we started at the beginning, please don't forget that many businesses already have plans in place and procedures in place for employee leave. So we would suggest not forgetting to reference those in this time of crisis and look back about how the employer intended to structure leave situations before any of this all arose. Don't forget to maintain some level of flexibility, of course, given that this situation is changing rapidly and it is hard to keep up with everything. Okay. Thank you. Are there any other um, points or things that you would like to add for employers to consider right now? I think that a major consideration, it's not necessarily a legal consideration, but this is a time of crisis for employee morale. I think a lot of employees are wondering if they're going to be subject to layoffs, how their work is going to look going forward. We're hearing reports of employees who are working remotely feeling isolated and disconnected. So we would strongly suggest that employers continue to communicate with your employees let them know what what the employer is doing to keep them safe, to keep them productive, and what the plans are for the future to the extent they can be predicted under the situation. So communication is key. Communications frequently and quickly as things evolve. And that lets employees know that their employers have their back and are doing their very best to keep folks employed and productive despite this situation. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you, Kristen. And thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. And for our listeners, the DLT workplace fact sheet that Kristen mentioned, that's on our website. We've circulated on social media as well. So feel free to look for us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn by searching Martin Gilman. Kristen, thank you so much. Be healthy and safe, and I wish you and your family well. Thank you, Diana. Same to you. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal advice or to form an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to seek legal advice from a Barton Gilman attorney, please visit us at www.bglaw.com or call 888-273-9903 for more information. Barton Gilman serves clients throughout the Northeast with offices in Boston, Providence, and New York, offering legal services in a wide variety of matters, including medical and other professional liability defense, premises liability and business litigation, education law, employment, family law, insurance coverage, trust and estates, criminal defense, corporate formation, and intellectual property. The firm and its attorneys have received numerous awards and accolades including Best Lawyers, Best Law Firms, Best Places to Work Rhode Island, Outstanding Philanthropic Business, the Common Good Award, and Super Lawyers. For more information about Barton Gilman, please visit our website at www.bglaw.com or call us toll-free at 888-273-9903.